man, we, we had this crazy idea to do this like a month ago, and uh, we weren't sure what the Lord had planned with it. We didn't know what would happen with it, but we knew that this was something that we had to do as a church celebrating our first year together. I, I will never forget, I'm going to tell you this, I will never forget day one of this church, looking over and, and seeing JP and Amy and their family over here huddled up in a corner and, and to see my kids just in so much excitement as to what was going on and, and Doug and Bobby just, oh, I can't, like, I will never forget these faces that were here day one. And, uh, Remember Mary and sitting over here and, and Jeff behind the camera and so on and so forth. It's crazy to see how God has worked, how God has moved in just one year's time. But I'm telling you this. This is why I think that God laid a revival on our hearts because, you know, we started to build the church, build the church. And, and we see where that's been going. And all of a sudden now God laid on our hearts to, to dive into the book of Colossians. So I want to set it up a little bit for you today. Um, the book of Colossians is a pretty cool one. Uh, there's four chapters in the book of Colossians. And so if you have your Bibles, you can flip over to number uh, to chapter one. If you got them on your phone, you can do that as well. But here's where we're going to start. Every day we're going to be in a different chapter. All right. When you dive into the book of Colossians, I just want to give you a quick background as to what we're looking at here. All right. Number one. All right. I want you to hear this because there's a lot of controversy as to who wrote this. But we put this in there as a book that Paul wrote. Um, when you read through it, you're going to find some differences in some of the stuff that Paul wrote uh, in his lifetime. And so actually what we find is this. Check this out. I love this. There's 34 words that Paul uses in Colossians that he used nowhere else in any of his writings. And so there's a lot of controversy. Did Paul write this? Maybe Timothy was more the one that wrote this. How did this go? How did this work? But I'm going to tell you this. This is kind of where it settles at. They believe that this is Paul's words written by Timothy, his secretary. He would do things like that because in this moment in time, he was in chains. He was in chains. He was, he was tied up in a prison. And uh, he used the secretary, the one that he could speak to on the outside, to write the letter, deliver the letter. And I love this because this is a church that Paul did not plant physically himself. He raised up leaders to go out and to plant that church. And so here Paul is, when you dig into it, I'm not going to go through it at the beginning, but when you really dig into the first few verses of Colossians, he's introducing himself in a lot of different ways because he wants them to get familiar with who he is and who he was. They know who he is. They've heard his name. They've heard his work. They've seen the things that he has done. And they know that the person that he sent to go plant that church was also one of his workers. And so they sent out. It was one of his pastors. And so here he is introducing himself as we dig into to Colossians chapter 1. And uh, he's really letting people know what's going on, how things are looking. But we're going to skip ahead tonight. And we're going to dive in starting in verse 21. So we're, gonna, we're, not, we're just going to pass up all that, hey, this is who I am stuff. Uh, this is what you've been doing. We're really proud of you. In fact, he even says that. I'm really proud of you. We've been praying for you. I love this because uh, this weekend, our, our pastors that we have coming to, to preach, I'm going to tell you this. It's so stinking cool to me because these are guys that before we even planted this church, were pouring their hearts out in prayer for us. 
They were pouring their hearts out in prayer. Their congregations prayed for us. Their, their, their people, their nonprofits prayed for us. All these different people were praying for Movement Church. Just as Paul points out in the first chapters that here's what it is. We've been praying for you. We are excited about what God is doing in and through you. But let's take a look at what he has to say starting in verse 21. He says this. Once you were alienated from God and you were enemies in your minds because of your evil behaviors. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present, your to present you holy in his sights without blemish and free from accusations. But if you continue in your faith established and firm and do not move from the hope held in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Man, he's, he's really going from, from here to there. And I, and I love it because he's really showing that whole idea of what salvation truly looks like as we dig into it. And so in verse 21, Paul really elaborates on the nature of reconciliation. And, uh, and, and so when we think about reconcile, when we think about reconciliation, when we think of repentance, all right, the first thing that we have to know and we have to realize about repentance is the fact that it's something that we have to 100% turn away from. It's said best whenever you think about it in military terms. Uh, you know, if you are in the military and you're marching one way and you are called to an about face, that means you turn around immediately and you don't look back. I asked a friend of mine one time, uh, he, he's a Marine, and I said, hey, what would happen if you were in line, they called an about face, you turned around, but then you went. He's like, oh, man, it would be awful. Like, there were guys that sometimes wanted to see what was going on because something else was happening behind them, and it was not good. You do not look back. Well, that's the same thing as we're talking about repentance. We're talking about reconciliation as we're reconciling for that. We're saying, God, I'm sorry for these things that I've done. I'm sorry for, for whatever this action is, and I promise you that I'm going to turn away from it. Otherwise, all we're doing is saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So we repent, we turn, and we move. And so here he is, he's talking about this and, and how it applies to the church. And, and in doing so, he contrasts their formal life as once. He uses that word once. And then he uses that with their present life as now. Here's what I love about this, is that once now language appears frequently in the early Christian literatures to describe conversion. That's how they would use that. It wasn't using the words, hey, you're saved. Hey, this happened. Uh, hey, you came out of the grave. It was the once now conversion. The once now. You were once then, and now you're here. And so Paul uses that as he's describing what is going on. And then we jump into to verse 22, is that he's pointing out the aim of the reconciliation goes beyond the enjoyment of a relationship with the living God. He's saying that it's so much more when you reconcile these things than just having a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's so much bigger than that because so many times as he's diving into this, into this uh, letter, he's letting them know like it's so much bigger than that, that God literally wants to purify you from the inside out. And he wants them to see how important that that physically is to them because it really is when you think about what God wants from you, he wants holiness living. He wants you to reflect him an image. But I think a lot of times we don't feel like we can add up to that. And so we're afraid to, to turn away from different things. We're afraid to act a certain way because it just doesn't fit with culture today. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus doesn't fit with culture any day. It's all about counterculture. It's about living a life for Jesus that counters what it is that's going on in culture. 
And a lot of times you can even put it out there as it's almost like a rebellion. You're going against the things of the social norm. And so here it is. He's talking about this, that, that this is what I need you to do. Your life is as simple as this, to reflect Jesus Christ. That is what he's asking you to do, to purify his people. And this comes from the context of sacrifice in Judaism. So this is where he's pulling this from, from something that these people knew very well as Jews to say, this is what God wants for you. He wants you to be his reflection in everything that you do. But then Paul very quickly shifts in, in, verse, 23, or in verse 22, and he shifts from the sacrificial language of, of holiness living, of looking like Jesus, of living like Jesus, to this judicial image when he says that you are going to be free from accusation. Because he's very quickly to turn that. I love that idea because he's not just saying that here's where we're going to be in this holiness living. But he's also saying, but here's the reality of it. You're going to face judgment at some point. And what I need you to do is I need you to live in a way that you are free from all accusations. That somebody's not going to come up to you and lay an accusation on your head. That you know that you are free and you are made new. And that you are pure in who it is that God has made you. I absolutely love that. In verse 23, then Paul is deeply concerned that some of the Colossian believers are moving away from the core of the gospel. And this is the whole premise of what Colossians was actually written for. Because there was a lot of false teaching that was going on. There was a lot of gossip behind the backgrounds going on. People that were respected leaders in the church and all these different things were happening. And Paul had to step in to say, hey, look, just because you heard it from a believer, just because you heard it from somebody that claimed to be this person... It's not always true. And all of a sudden you dive into this, and if it doesn't reflect God and his image and his, pur his purity and his perfection, then what is it that you're truly following here? And so Paul dives into that, and, and he says this in a couple different ways. It is the message that you have heard, he says, right? In verse 23, this is the message that you have heard. And it's, ref it's re uh, referencing the gospel that he preached, that was preached to them by... Uh, uh, Epa uh, I'm so sorry, Epaphras. And uh, this was done in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. And uh, man, it's so important sometimes, I think. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this from me. I think that there's a lot of times that we hear the gospel here. We hear it. We know it. We can speak it. We can even share it but it doesn't always reflect who we are. And I think that's one of the things that Paul's pointing out very quickly. You've heard it. You've heard it said. You may have even seen it lived out, but all of a sudden now, the way that you're living is not reflecting that that you've heard. Then he also says that it's been proclaimed to every creature under the heavens. This gospel has been proclaimed to everything. Now, it's kind of like a hyperbole here when he's talking about this, but this is the reality of it is that, that he's sitting here saying that it's been proclaimed to, to everyone. Like, you've got to hear this. This is something that is so big that people need to know this everywhere that they go. And, and then he moves on to, to say this, that Paul closes with this affirmation that he himself had become a servant of the one true God of the gospel. Now, I wanted you to hear these things because I think it's so important to know these as we dive into the context tonight of what this is looking like. All right? So here Paul is, and, and he wants you to hear this, and he uses this multiple times in his writing. I'm a Paul. I'm Paul. I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a servant. I'm here to do what he asks me to do, what he calls me to do. I have surrendered my entire life 
to living it out for him. Now, remember what we talked about on Sunday. We talked about his big conversion going from Saul, this one that was persecuting Christians, Christians, to Paul that was now being persecuted himself. And so here Paul is. He's living it out for everybody. And now he defines himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. So tonight, the, the message I, I entitled it uh, in a way that, that sometimes we need to be able to let go to let God. And, and here's Paul talking to them, and he's, he's telling them about these different things that are going on. But here's the reality of it. And I think that this is where it really hits the pavement running for us. That sometimes we have this thing in our life that is just pulling us backwards. It's tying us down, and we're not able to move from point A to point B. And I'm going to be real with you, and this is the hard part. Sometimes it's a person. Sometimes it could be a family member. Sometimes it could be a best friend. Sometimes it could be uh, a colleague, whatever it might be. It could be even then a job. It could be an addiction. It could be whatever it could be that's tying you down. I mean, think about Paul in this letter. He's, he's in prison. He's in shackles. He's in chains. He's tied down, and uh, all for what? For proclaiming the gospel that he was once against. And so I ask you tonight, I want you to think about this for a moment. What is it that's, that's pulling you back? What is it that if Paul was to write a letter to you, would he be saying to you right now? Because I'm going to go somewhere that I wasn't planning to go tonight. And, and I want you to hear this because as, as I'm studying this area that Colossians was in, and Colossae was, here's, here's what we start to find ourselves. It was right in the middle of the seven churches that are spoken about in Revelations. Literally right in the middle of all this area. And if, if you've never been in Revelations before, I, I challenge you to dig into it. One through three really talks about these churches that we're talking about right now. And uh, each church has a little bit different of a perspective that God speaks to it and shares with them. Some, some things are really good. Some things are really bad. Um, but where Colossae is, is really close to about 12 miles away from Laodicea. And the church of Laodicea... Uh, John really had, a, had some good words for them uh, that he had to say, but they were about 12 miles. If you want to know what 12 miles is, 12 miles is like from here, if you go south, to Needmore Road. That's 12 miles. Or you can go from here to Upper Valley Medical Center. That's 12 miles. So if you really want to know about how far away these communities are, that's about as far away as they are. And so the reason why I dug into this was that Colossae was not a church that, that John wrote about in Revelation but with them being 12 miles away from Laodicea, you know, I really felt like this is something that we needed to hear tonight. And so in Revelation chapter 3, starting in verse 14, the angel of the church of Laodicea, he writes this. These are the words of the Amen, the Amen, the Father of the Lord, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And then he says this. I want you to hear this. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one of those. I wish that you were either one of those. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Man, those are some pretty crazy words. But here's the reality of it. He's saying this, that, that you could be ice cold in your walk with God. 
You could be ice cold in your walk with God. And when you're ice cold, you know you're freezing. You know you're freezing. You know you're uncomfortable. You know you've got to get a little bit warmer. You know you've got to move a little bit. You know you've got to do something in your life. And when you're burning hot and you're on a spiritual high, and these kids like, man, I can't wait for this weekend with fall retreat. These kids are going to leave on a spiritual high they've probably never experienced before. And they're going to leave there, and they're going to be excited for what Jesus has for them. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're, they're hot. They're ready for it. Then all of a sudden, what starts to happen is this, this walk begins to kind of slow down a little bit. They're not surrounded by 300 teenagers anymore, and it, life gets a little bit more difficult. Life starts to get thrown at them. Things start to happen. This church that we're talking about right now in Colossians, man, they were on fire. They heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were like, oh, man, build your church. Build your church. Build it from the ground up. That's what it's all about. And they were excited. But then all of a sudden, they started to kind of cool down a little bit. They started to cool down. So you say, why do we do revivals? For that very reason. Because we start to cool down a little bit. We start to move. But here's the scary part is that sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we're lukewarm. We're comfortable. Lukewarm is comfortable. We're not hot. We're not cold. We're not on fire for the Lord. We're not freezing. So I must be in a really good place. But man, how scary is it that the words come back to say, man, if you're neither hot nor cold, I'm about to just spit you out of my mouth. I don't need you here if you're lukewarm. But the scary part is, is that so many times as Christians, that's where we live, right here in this bubble. Because if I'm here, If I'm here, I'm saved. If I'm here, life is okay. If I'm here, I've got Jesus, but I got a little bit of the world too. If I'm here, I don't need to worry what my friends say because they barely know that I have a spiritual life, but my spiritual life people don't know that I have a worldly life. If I'm here, I control my destiny. How scary of a place that that is. When we talk about revival, I'm not talking about moving us from the cold. I'm not talking about moving us from here. Some of you might be ice cold right now, and that's okay, because we're going to get you warmer. I promise you that. But I'm talking about the ones that are standing right in the middle right now, whether you're watching online or you're here right now in person. We're sitting here, and we are comfortable. I I talked about this a year ago. I said this, that, that we need to be challenged to get out of our comfort zone, to be able to move from one place to the other. So many times in our lives, we find ourselves in a role that we are comfortable with. I'm okay with running the camera every single week. I'm okay with that. Don't you dare put me anywhere else. I'm okay with teaching Sunday school every single week. I've done it for 35 years now. Don't you dare put me somewhere else. I'm okay with driving a school bus every single day because that's where it is, and I'm okay with living right right here because I'm comfortable with that. But here's the reality of it. When we become comfortable, we become placement, and we no longer do what God is calling us to do. And that is what this is all about. That is what this is all about. It's about moving from one point to the next point. 
And so tonight, as we come together, I'm challenging us to this, is to move out of that place of comfort, which a lot of you have already done by being here tonight, not even knowing what a revival is, and showing up tonight says, I'm willing to be uncomfortable for a little bit. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to take place. I don't know what the Lord's going to say to me, but I believe something big is going to happen, and this is where it all begins. When you can sing songs and proclaim them by, by man, Build your church, God. Build your church. I don't know about a better song that declarates what it is that he's going to do than to sing something like that because you're saying, I'm the church. Build it. Build me. Build me. Build me. Don't put me here, God. Turn me on fire. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to learn. I'm ready to move. I'm ready to do what it is that you need me to do. No questions asked.